These are verses I say that instead of a verse or something that is like a something that is a negative thing trying to scare you into doing right or whatever, but these are positive verses that draw me to want to be more like God and to want to be a righteous person that God can use. Do you believe the promises of God? What are some of the promises of God? You know, perhaps the biggest promise is found in John 3:16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There are many other promises and principles, aren't there, that God has given us in His Word for us today. Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. We again hear from Bill on this fourth of four podcasts as he relates some great advice in the areas of time management, leadership principles, dealing with disease, some marriage principles, and raising children. As you can tell, Bill is a humble man who simply believes God and His Word. At the conclusion of today's podcast, Bill shares some of the verses that have shaped his life. I'd like for you to speak for a few minutes to someone who is just starting out in their career, probably a guy since you've worked with guys. They're graduating from college. They're getting married, maybe having a family, starting a career. What would be some ideas on how they can balance all the demands that they have on them? Yeah. If you get married, I only have one verse for you. It's Deuteronomy 24, 5. It says, When a man takes a new wife, he shall not go out with the army, nor be charged with any duty. He shall be free at home one year to give happiness to the wife whom he's taken. Uh, I'd really encourage you to to uh, keep the TV turned off, except maybe for a Chiefs game or something, and concentrate on getting to know your wife and her needs and doing things that really sets her up to be a success, whatever that is. And then that at least that first year or two, uh, if if you're a keen Christian. The, somebody will be asking you to take this responsibility and that responsibility, but say, just let me, my first responsibility this year is going to be to my wife. And uh, you can call me up in another year. And, uh, I mean, you should you should be in a Bible study with somebody just for your own growth, but uh, and maybe with a young married Bible study. But... Uh, that first year is really important. A lot of people skip on that, they cheat on that, and it comes back to bite them because uh, the the lady they married will wonder whether they really are a priority because of your busyness with your career and other things. So even though your career is important, yeah, do what you need to do. But uh, if you get married major on your wife that first year, other areas— uh, it really helps to have an older couple or several couples or even be in a Bible study with some older people who are willing to, and then you need to ask for advice. Tell them, this is what I'm faced with. You have any, asking for advice doesn't mean you have to do everything people say, it, but it, it, it opens you up to a lot more ideas than what you maybe had on your own. 
And so I think that's a much neglected area of Christians in general of seeking counsel. That's the official word we would say, get counsel on this or counsel on that. But basically it's, you got any advice for me in, 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 in this area? And I would encourage somebody to, that's newly married and career and, and things to be around other people and then take the initiative to ask advice. In, in the area of kids, you know, I, in, in raising children, we tried to find out what they really liked to do, whether it was basketball or tennis or drawing, uh, art, uh, whatever it was, and tried to, to get the, help them the best we could to get the best teachers, to get the best uh, opportunities uh, for them to grow in that area. And then we could do that with them. And when they're teenagers, they normally want to spend more time with their friends and with you. But if you're doing something with them in their area, then that's another story. And I'd really encourage parents that you need to, by the time your child is in junior high, you need to be having a regular activity with them in some area that you can continue on through high school and maybe longer. Uh, for us, it was, it was maybe a basketball, it was painting, it was some other things. But uh, that's really important because if you don't get started with them before junior high, then they're not interested in maybe starting. So you have to start early, and we encourage people in that all the time. One thing that I that has been a, a big thing in my life is that if you're on a team where you have a leader, and almost all of us at one time or another have leaders or somebody that's in charge of something, whether it's our profession or in church or somewhere, the the thing that I like to encourage people in relationship to your leader, and that's really important because when we're not leading, we need to really be loyal and faithful and help our leader. It doesn't mean to be yes people, but it means to be loyal and to help them. In Proverbs twenty-seven eighteen, it says, He who tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who looks after his master will be honored. If, if you want to be honored and helped on in your career, if you have a good leader, he will want to do that. But you need to be loyal to him. You need to, to be helpful. Your, the relationship to your leader is a big thing that I don't think is stressed all that much. You know, I, I think over the years I've needed to develop a philosophy of, of spiritual warfare and of sickness and how to, how to understand both of those areas, which are somewhat different, but sometimes they intersect each other. So in, in Asia, oftentimes people would understand that sicknesses maybe were caused by spiritual forces, and sometimes they definitely were. And so what do you do when you come down with a fever? Something's not going and you can't figure it out. So anyway, I've this, this is my where rubber meets the road when I get sick. First of all, I pray that Satan would have no part of this, 
that if he's trying to keep me from doing a ministry or from doing something, uh, I just reject it and pray that God would would give give grace and give health and healing. And you can't imagine how many times before some kind of conference or some kind of ministry that something has come up and we've been able to pray it away, so to speak, by by trusting in God and 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 then but when we we realize that you know I get sick just like other people and so then I have to be quick you know at at one point my philosophy was that you know if the people if they would eat healthier and exercise more maybe they wouldn't wouldn't have the problem but then I was eating healthy I thought and exercising very regularly and I still got some very serious sicknesses. And so we really have to be, it's like in Luke 13 where the people wondered who is the biggest sinner, these guys or, or their parents, because the tower fell on them. They had a uh, disaster. You know, well, Jesus said neither, neither are one. That's a good passage to look at. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul prayed seriously, fervently, that he'd be relieved of his problem, his sickness, whatever it was, uh, physical infirmity or something. And God said, my power will be shown through giving you grace to endure it. So sometimes God wants to show his power through our sicknesses. And then in Psalms 38, sometimes it is because of of sin in our life that we have sicknesses. But I like the one that I go to the most often is Second Chronicles 16.12, where Asa in the 39th year of his reign, he became sick in his feet. And the problem was he didn't seek the Lord, but the physicians. And then a verse or so later, he ended up dying in a couple of years. You, give the, you get the distinct impression that if he would have sought God, God would have healed him. But he didn't. So I want to be sure in any sickness that I have that I that I pray and trust in God, and then I try to get the best doctor I can find, that uh, God would give me the right people to help out, and whatever it is, that God is the ultimate healer. So that's kind of my, my philosophy on being sick and, and fighting the devil and whatever else, you know. I have about 30 verses that I call my the verses that God has drawn me that I've memorized. I've actually had them. I have them. If you would, would visit me, you can see them on the wall. That are verses that challenge me to be a godly man. And these are verses, I say, that instead of a verse or something that is like a something that is a negative thing trying to scare you into doing right or whatever, but these are positive verses that draw me to want to be more like God and to want to be a righteous person that God can use. So I, these are verses that I really keep sharp and that I pray over those and that I share with others and that I really, Scripture memory has been a big part of my life and God especially in these verses that I've memorized, I like to memorize by topics and so on, different topics. I'll have a, 
if I come to a new topic that I've never memorized before, I'll try to memorize three to five verses and help me to understand just like the thing on sickness or sovereignty of God or something. Now you have to tell us what some of those verses are. You've you've piqued our interest. Okay. Importance of one man, Joshua twenty three ten. Do you want me to quote him? Or sure, you... that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God, he is that he it is that fights for you as he has promised you. And then Isaiah sixty twenty two. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I the Lord will hasten it in his time. And Ezekiel twenty two thirty, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. You know, God is looking for men to stand in the gap. There's no self-made people. Know you that the Lord, He is God, it is He that made us, not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Single-heartedness of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle, expert in war with all instrument of war, 50,000 which you keep rank, they were not of double heart. On being a man of God, Daniel 6.4, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Daniel 6.4. Being a man of God, living righteously so that God can use us, simply believing the promises of God. You know, that's the example that our friend Bill has given us. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, one of the greatest promises in Scripture is that of John 3.16. If we simply believe in Jesus alone for eternal life, we are promised that we will not perish and that we have everlasting life. Another great promise is in John 5.24, which says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He shall not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. As Jesus asked Martha in John 11:25 and 26, do you believe that? If you do, if you believe in Jesus alone for eternal life, then you have that life right now. My friend, let's boldly believe the promises of God. Join us next time as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.